Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in to a Splitting Hairs podcast, Jackrab, brought to you by Jackrabbit Illustrated. It wouldn't be the B team if I didn't screw up the intro coming in live, but here we are. It's me, myself, Brendan, as always, joined by Ben at Camp and Hard. Be sure to follow him on Twitter. But tonight, it is the National Championship Edition, National Championship Week. And just like way back when it was marker week, this is the granddaddy of them all. This is way bigger than any game we've had. So we got to bring in a special guest to be on with us. So we have the absolute pleasure of having Josh Criswell with us. He is the beat writer for the Huntsville item. And he also runs the bet the FCS podcast and multiple other He's, he's all over with it. If you've seen his background watching live, he's got an assortment of FCS memorabilia. Don't be confused. He's not a Delaware guy. <laughs> he's just got a collection. But Josh, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing tonight? Oh, doing fantastic. I appreciate y'all having me on. It's been fun interacting with all you guys on Twitter all season long. So finally, uh, glad to put a face with the Twitter handle. Yeah, it's always good to put a face to the Twitter handle, especially, hopefully. Uh, I know you're going down to Frisco. We're going down to Frisco. I don't know how much time we'll have. Ben, though, you're going down on Friday morning, right? Yeah, we're making the big drive. Hopefully, <laughs> I'm with a big caravan of Jacks fans. We'll see. Yeah, you got to be waving flag. You gotta put, you're putting a flag on the truck, right? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. uh, it'll be decked out. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Paint the windshield, you know, make it all Ricky Bobby style. This sticker's large and dangerous, but I do love my jackrabbits. That would be incredible. Hmm. So y'all have, our... nice, y'all have a nice crew coming down, I heard, right? Yeah, we sold, yeah. Out, sold out the allotment, which is awesome. Um, we're excited about that. Um I was worried that since it was down in Texas and Sam Houston's from Texas, that it might be a little too orange, but it sounds like we'll have plenty of blue there. So that's exciting. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I believe they had 2,500. They opened the season ticket holders first, 2,500 of them got picked up right there. And then the next thousand sold within an hour of them going on sale. So I'm sure some Sam Houston fans squeaked in there and snagged some <laughs> tickets. That I don't doubt. I've seen them post about it. But we should have a big big crew down there. I'm just curious, though, if you know anything, because looking at the numbers, I think Frisco half-filled is around 10,000, and if you add 3,500 plus 3,500, that only equals, I mean, this is bad egg school math going on here, but that's only 7,000. So how, do, you know, do you have any inside info on that, being closer to the stadium? Maybe they just shout out what's going to happen from the top of it mm-hmm. for yeah. the rest of those tickets. I, uh, my understanding is I think that they're just kind of on sale to the general public, um, and I guess they went up, and I wasn't even made aware of it. I guess they didn't really do a good job of sending out the link, but people found the link somehow and they were sold out quick. I mean, I think it was by noon on, on Monday, it was, they're all gone. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So I I guess, I guess there was a few public ones for sale for people maybe in the Dallas area or just all over. Oh, wow. So leave it to the FBI, FCS, you know, NCAA to not tell anybody about what's going on. You know, at least they're goddamn consistent. (laughs) <laughs> you know, they got that going for them. They have been consistently terrible, but they sold. So I, that's that's a good deal. It's going to be a full house. I mean, at least their Twitter account woke up and found it, figured out there was a season going on and they should actually maybe post a couple of times. Yeah, they made like four. Yeah, maybe five. It's a new high <laughs> score, really, for them. <laughs> God, that was, yeah. uh, they were terrible. But what wasn't terrible for Jack's fans, anyways, Josh, I know you said obviously you're doing the beat writer thing. You're not sitting in the stadium feverishly watching the Jackrabbits games or anything like that. And I'm sure once score updates came in, you definitely weren't feverishly <laughs> watching because that game went really well for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ben. I was just going to say uh, it, it couldn't have gone any better, to be honest. I mean, other than the first quarter, obviously, um, it was a little nervous after that. But um, from there on, it was pretty smooth sailing. I guess, what did, what did you see on your end, Josh? Yeah, you know, for, for me, I actually went into that game picking Delaware. They were probably, I think, my favorite bet of the week on the Bet the FCS podcast at plus eight just because I liked both of these defenses <laughs> so much. I was like, there's no way that someone's going to win this game by more than a touchdown. And then I, like, get down. I purposefully got to the game early so I could, like, have some time to get ready, set up. 
and like get to my spot and tune in by halftime and I check the score and I was just like, nope, I'm done with this one. <laughs> yeah, man, we took out the, the second quarter. They just laid it on them. I mean, they, once we, once we got going, they just, I mean, it seemed like they didn't have an answer for us. Yeah, it, it felt like uh, a little bit, and I think Tyler Merriam mentioned this uh, it, with the with Dallas and Kyle and Matt um, that it felt a little bit like the Southern Illinois game that once it started rolling on them, it was over. And especially when I, I think what I really just kind of I don't know why it took me this to really notice this, but you could really see the defense our defensive line if you let them make you one-dimensional like you can't run like you cannot and they get to just pin their ears back and attack on you and you don't have a really really good offensive line you are gonna have a really really bad day yeah i mean our our defensive line is they had a very very good game and they they seem like they're getting better every game um they're very deep you know we roll seven eight guys in there consistently they stay fresh and they are they're good um and so, I mean, like you said, if, if they can consistently stuff the run, you're in trouble because I, you're going to get a few passes off, but it's just in the long, in the long run, they're going to wear you down. And uh, it was interesting uh, during the broadcast, um, I went back and watched the game. And one of the early comments that was made was, yeah, Delaware, they, you know, they knew they were going to see some athletic defensive linemen against Jacksonville State, but they thought they'd have an advantage coming into South Dakota State against this <laughs> defensive line. And womp, that, womp. that didn't turn out to work so well for them. Um, we we really started to lay, lay on those guys, and they just didn't even have a chance to protect the quarterback in the second half. So, um, I mean, they did. They had some wind taken out of their sails once uh, Nolan Henderson got hurt. Um, I think that kind of uh, took, uh, you know, mm-hmm. took their spirits down a little bit yeah. and uh, hurt them a lot. And we hurt them a lot while he was out. And then mm-hmm. it just kind of snowballed on him after that. So um, that had a huge effect on the game. It would have been interesting to see if he had stayed in the game the whole time, what would have happened? Because he's a talented player. I mean, that guy's like a little Russell Wilson out there. He's, he's good. Oh. Yeah. The kid was like, he was just running for his life. Absolute yeah. phenomenal athlete. But he just spent the whole time running for his life. He didn't have a play with two seconds to throw the ball. He was it was just insane. It was absolutely wild. And we got a comment from uh, Brad Koenig, our one of our super fans here. <laughs> said just before he got hurt, I told my friend Steve that Henderson was running too much and that was it for the running game. And yeah, I mean he he was running too much and then he had to run more on a bad leg so you could you could tell uh he went back and got the old special shot in the knee to be able to come back and <laughs> make that little maneuver happen but uh no it was wild and i had friends in fargo watching the game just on the d line and i was getting i i came back and celebrated a little bit when we got back into town because i don't want to celebrate before i drive too hard and i was talking to those guys and they go because they go, they're not FCS fans. They're, you know, NFL fans. And they go, who is number 97? Like, that dude looks like he belongs in the league. He owned that game. And Reese was absolutely out of his goddamn mind that game. And it was it was almost hilarious to watch him beat the hell out of that poor offensive tackle who had no idea what to do with him the whole game. it was He was my favorite part in the rewatch to watch. And just see him toy with them. Both of our ends, just toy all of our ends, just toying with those tackles, going, oh, I'm gonna run around you this time. No, oh, this time I'm gonna just power move you into his lap. It was that was the most fun I've had watching our defensive line in boy, I can't I can't remember when, honestly. Yeah. Well the, what's so special about him is just you don't I mean they'll make a play like they'll sack the quarterback or something like that, and you'll have to like look and see which number it is. Because right. literally eight of them that are rolling in and out of there, you're like, which guy did did it now? And I mean, yep. they're all they've all got moves. They're all talented. So I mean, it's they're tough to stop just because they stay so fresh. Um, Matt Tollefson, who uh, is the godfather of Jackrabbit Illustrated, uh, has a question for you, Josh. How is Sam Houston injury wise right now? 
They're they're looking pretty solid as as of everything I've heard. No new injuries. Obviously, you know they had uh, the scary hit. You know Daryl Hawkins Williams, one of their yep. special team stars. He's doing a lot better. You know, one of those situations Casey Keeler said today seemed a lot uh, more more of like a whiplash type situation. He was out of the hospital later that day. Um, so it was one of those where by the time he was in, you know, the ambulance, he was in good spirits, able mm-hmm. to kind of move around. But it was it was one of those, you know, scary moments that, you know, I'm sure everyone's seen during a football game at some point in their life where it's. It's a dangerous sport, and you know it was uh, very good to see all the positive updates coming out on that one. That is awesome. So, is do they mean to say that he might be uh, good enough to play? Or because man, that would be incredible to go from the hospital to playing. I'm sure he wants to play. It's a national championship game, but yeah, is I'm, that I'm what not they a, sound I, like. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. I'll, I'll probably get a closer answer on that. Probably a little closer to kickoff, uh, but. I'm not too sure on that, uh, but as far as you know, on offensive and defensive side of the ball, that it seems like they have all their starters that'll be there for them. Well, that's fantastic. That is uh, that, yeah. And like Dallas uh, Clarkson said, also uh, from the A team, super glad to hear that Hawkins Williams is okay. That was scary, and that was scary. It's scary anytime you have to put a guy on a stretcher and have ambulances and in hospitals for, I mean, when they're, when, when you're getting the reports on if they have feeling or not, that is absolute worst case scenario on a football field. It's that's really spooky. So that's awesome to hear that he's doing all right. No doubt. And I mean, it's to me, I, I like hearing the same Houston is healthy. I like having yes. both teams coming in because the Jacks are very healthy. I like having both teams coming in full strength so we can really see, you know, who, who comes out on top. Um, we got another question for you, Josh. Everybody that's listening uh, or watching on Facebook, keep them coming. Um, so we've had a lot of media people ask us which team in the Valley most closely resembled Sam Houston, um, which, in my opinion, would probably be Southern Illinois um, with their passing attack and with the mobile quarterback. Um, so from a Southland perspective, who within that league does South Dakota State most closely resemble? It's interesting. In a typical year, and if Nichols was what we thought they would be, they would remind me a lot of them just because they typically have are good on defense we thought they were going to be. And then offensively, they, they were dominant. I mean, and they like to run a similar, not necessarily similar, similar style of offense, but their quarterback's a guy, you know, not as much of a power runner, more of a speed guy, but they like to run downhill, not, not as much side to side with him. So I would say typically them, but honestly, the team that reminds me the most of, uh, of, South, of South Dakota State is Sam Houston. I mean, you have two teams who are, in my opinion, the two best defenses in the country. And, um, you know, they're just so well-rounded. I've said for weeks now on the podcast that I think these are the top two as far as most complete teams in the country. Um, they really dominate on the defensive side of the ball. And that's kind of where they make their bread and butter. Both teams love to take away the running game and just pin their ears back, get after the quarterback. And they've really done that pretty much all year long. Um, The offensive side of the ball, a little bit different strategically, but still, you know, I think it's a situation where Sam might be a little bit more explosive, whereas South Dakota State might be a little bit more well-rounded as far as that running game, passing game combination. So it's going to be interesting to see, but I think, you know, Sam Houston and South Dakota State are two very similar teams. Yeah, um, I, I agree a lot. I I think offensively, Sam Houston maybe behaves a little more like Southern Illinois, but they have a defense caliber-wise that's it, right up there with SDSUs. I mean, that it, if, if, if anybody's gone back and re-watched that James Madison game or or the NDSU game for that matter, and and then you're silly enough to say the soft Houston thing because I'm I'm not gonna lie to you, Josh. I make fun of the Southland on here, the Southland. I don't give them they don't they don't get the D back until they <laughs> earn it. Okay, and <clears throat> that does not include uh, Sam Houston. Okay, mm-hmm. um, I'm not including Sam Houston in that because they have a defense. Um, but when a team gets roadhouse by 71 and they're supposed to be a top 25 team, I will make fun of them quite mercilessly because you don't get to be a top 25 team anymore. And we got mad at Craig Haley and now he's mad at us. Which <laughs> I don't know how I've, I, I'm not like sad about it, but it was kind of fun. He might be like creepy listening now and we're going to get another cryptic shot at our hobo account to take a shot at us. I don't know. <laughs> but it's, um, 
no, anybody who watches Sam Houston's uh, it, now, I want to clear something up here first while, before I get talking too long, because I saw the uh, Sam Houston SID state there. You are not Sam Houston state anymore. You, they are Sam Houston. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, that's uh, something they've done a big push on. And honestly, I think I've been kind of impressed. You know, you see we've seen it here in the Southland Conference. There are certain teams that have kind of taken back funding in the sports information departments and their teams are constantly being called the incorrect thing. Whereas Sam Houston, their SIDs are right on top of it. I mean, you have multiple SIDs making sure everything's being taken care of on the media side. And I mean, that's uh, that's what you got to do if that's your job. So you mean to tell me that Sam Houston spent all these years convincing me that Sam Houston is a state and they're going to pull the rug right out from under me like this when I'm about to add a 51st star to my flag out in front of my house for the Sam Houston State. It just it just looks better on the jerseys, man. It's uh, it, it's funny though because it's uh, you heard about uh, it, you hear about it all the time. Like I think it was McNeese went up to go play um, Wisconsin in basketball, and mm-hmm. they're technically McNeese State, and even the student section was doing the McNeese is not a state chance. So, I mean, whenever you pack that on and you're not a state, it, I feel like you kind of have it coming to you. <laughs> That's true. I mean, to be fair, I enjoyed. I actually enjoy Sam Houston State better because then I can use the acronym when I'm te- texting of SHSU. So you can still in- use SHSU. It's SHSU and Sam Houston are the two official. Sam Houston is the preferred, but SHSU is still the one. Come if on, you're gonna no. go. yeah, that's Come not on. that's not confusing at all. Come on. <laughs> Don't that's oh, that's worse. You know, I was I was okay with it, and then it, they made it worse. I mean, I'm going to use SHSU. I mean, I planned on it anyways. <laughs> so they're just, they just they're, they're just making sure that the, <laughs> they're keeping SHSU to make sure people don't put like Institute of Technology behind it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I and, think I think the big thing is it, so what they did is it was about like a year ago they did like a whole complete rebrand, um, and, and so everything across the board because it used to be a lot of Sam Houston State on official mm. things. And then I guess like they, cause as you'll see now, if you watch Sam Houston, they don't have this blue that you see on here anymore. They've killed the blue com- completely from everything. Um, and so now they use like the black trim there, which I think actually looks really, really cool. So it's that mm. orange and white are there too. Uh, and it's a different shade of orange. So it's kind of a, uh, complete overhaul, I guess, of everything. Hmm. Gotcha. Interesting. Well, I, 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 that makes sense. That makes sense. So we got another question for you. Uh, Brad again says, Josh, your D line looked great against NDSU. How did you build up to that level? Yeah, I think for the Bearcats, it all comes back. And Casey Keeler's talked about it, um, you know, all season long. And even before that, whenever they got stomped back in 2017 in the Fargo Dome in the playoffs, they realized that they had to completely go back to the drawing board a little bit if they were going to beat some of these big time teams, you know, whether it be from the Valley or James Madison in the postseason, they had to change the kind of guys they were bringing in. Like I know that they had PJ Hall there that year in 2017, but just like the depth of everything that they have, I mean, they're a team that doesn't always play with four down linemen and they had four all conference guys on the D line, including three on the first team. So, I mean, they, they're just loaded with depth. I mean, they bring in guys that are, truly capable of playing at the power five level, just like you see a lot in the Valley. Um, So I I think it was kind of a situation for the very first time that, you know, James Madison and North Dakota state were seeing a Sam Houston team that matched them from a physicality standpoint. Yeah. Those dudes are nasty. They're absolutely nasty up front. And the interesting thing I kind of noticed on them is it's, it's, everybody's talking about their front four and everything like that being committed to stopping the run, but boy, watching that James Madison game, because obviously against NDSU, you just load up to stop the run because the quarterbacks are wet noodles for arms and things like that. So, um, but uh, they can sit at home and think about it. Um, Oh, shade. Uh, So uh, the James Madison game though, uh, they don't just, they didn't just build the defensive line to stop the run. Like, that is the, like what they're calling on defense is what I saw is they fine throw over us. We don't care. It, it, it was almost like it was a point of pride that they would lose by the pass over the run. And they were going to 
stack the box and go beyond daring you to be able to get the ball over their heads. Yeah. And I mean, that's something that they've done all year and it's really because of how talented they are in the secondary. I mean, they're two cornerbacks that they have right now, Jalen Thomas and Zion McCollum. They've started since they stepped on campus as true freshmen. They were on that team that lost to North Dakota state. And now they're seniors with like over, over 40 career starts under their belts. Both, I think, all Americans, I believe. Um, if not, they should have been. And it, it's just one of those situations where whenever you have that kind of talent on the edge, you know, Isaiah Downs, as everyone knows, came up and has had some big plays in the postseason. Um, you know, whenever you have talented guys in the secondary, they can just go man-to-man coverage, and that allows them to stack the box and send guys after the quarterback. Yeah, another comment here on on your D line. Ninety two and ninety five are the sort of things nightmares are made of. Dallas Clarkson commented that. Yeah, they uh, ninety five is Joe Wallace. He's a guy who uh, interesting story. One of his best friends w- was on the team at uh, Sam Houston, and that actually helped draw him down to Huntsville. He was at Texas Tech, a guy that starred in the Dallas area coming out of high school. He had several options. But, you know, he chose the Bearcats to come in and play right away, compete for a championship. And then 92, Sean Mustin, he's an interesting story, too, because he's kind of been one of the unsung heroes throughout this whole thing the past two years where the Bearcats defense has risen to be among the best in the country. But he kind of got some love last week. We saw it all over Twitter and on ESPN where he was the defensive lineman that I don't know if you all saw it, but the running back for JMU was about 10, 12 yards down the field from him. And he ran and chased him down from behind. I did see that one. That was uh, that was all effort there. A hundred percent. And that was that was impressive to see a big boy hustling down the field like that to make a play. That yeah. was for sure. That was wild. We kept watching the replay, and we were just like, "Did he like cut somewhere? Did he like stop running? Like, what what happened?" Because <laughs> I remember watching it from my vantage point, and I saw him break away initially, and I was just like, "Oh, he's gone. That's a JMU touchdown." And then all of a sudden, Sean Mustin just tracks him down, all three hundred pounds running at him. That's, That's that is crazy. So, tell us a little bit about uh, Sam Houston's semifinal game. Um, you know, obviously, the first half was a little rough. Going into half, you know, what were your thoughts? You know, I guess sitting at, I think, was it down 28 to 3? Uh, they're down 24, 24 to 3. But, 24 yeah, three. It, it was uh, – so my thoughts were the last 10 minutes of football were the worst that I've ever seen Sam Houston play. And that includes the previous two seasons where they barely finished above 500. I just – they completely kind of fell apart at the end of that half. But going into halftime, I didn't think they were done, even with the 21-point deficit. I know James Madison has one of the best defenses in the country, but the way that Sam Houston's able to score just with their explosive playmakers, whether it be Eric Schmidt, you know, Ife Adeyi, Jaquez Ezard, Noah Smith, uh, the list goes on and on. It doesn't really matter how good your defense is. They're going to keep going for explosive plays and – more times than not, they're going to hit them. And you saw that during that third quarter. You know, it wasn't necessarily that they had four 80-yard touchdown drives. They had, you know, one or two really good ones. But a lot of it was, you know, you throw a pass to Jaquez Ezzard, and then he makes the the JMU cornerback spin around four times on his way to the end zone. (laughs) And that that was just like a little slant across the middle. He makes a couple guys miss, and that's a 15-yard play turning into like a 70-yard touchdown. And then obviously we saw what he did on the punt return. So I mean, it's uh, it, it's interesting. They just they put up points in a hurry. So I never doubted them. Uh, I was definitely thinking it, it more more likely than not they weren't going to win the game. But I, I knew they could get back in it. And then once I think they closed it with to within a score, as crazy as it sounds, there wasn't a doubt in my mind that they were going to win the game. Just because once that offense gets rolling, there's games where it happens. Like I mean, the Nichols game. They only had seven points after one quarter, and then they just blow up, blow them up for like 64, 60, whatever it was over the next three. Yeah. So, I mean, it, we've seen it all year. It doesn't really matter how good the opposing defense is. They have guys that can score every single play of the game. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like once you guys started scoring, things kind of snowballed on JMU, and they started turning the ball over, which from a SDSU fan perspective, it felt good. Um, we have the the infamous semifinal game against JMU where we turned the ball over 11 times. 
um, which still stings really bad. But um, so I didn't didn't mind seeing JMU lose that way. But um, I do think that, and I don't want to get into the the championship game talk yet. But I do think that uh, turnovers are going to be huge um, in the game. If you know, if both teams play a clean game, I think it's going to be very very evenly matched. But if somebody starts turning the ball over, it's it's probably over. I mean, both both offenses and defenses are too good to make up for mistakes like that. So that, I think that'll be a, a huge thing that, I mean, it was big in your semifinal game, and I think it'll be a big thing in the championship game too. No, no doubt. And I mean, you've seen it with Sam Houston. Whenever they've protected the football, they've done well. You know, they had, I think they won the turnover battle five to nothing those first two, uh, first two rounds. But then that first half, you know, they have those bad turnovers, one off, the one that bounced off the receiver's hands on a screen pass and then the interception just before halftime. So like, I mean, whenever they're not playing clean, that's whenever they start to get hurt. But whenever they're protecting the football, it, it, I, you know, I haven't seen a team yet that's just been able to beat them. This is the first team, honestly, you know, in South Dakota state where I'm looking at them and go, you know, if the Bearcats play their perfect game, South Dakota State can play their perfect game and match up with them. I haven't thought that, you know, even with James Madison, even even North Dakota State, I just think these two teams are on a very even playing field when it comes to talent level. Well, when I when I saw when I watched that uh, JMU Sam Houston game because obviously we didn't get to watch the beginning of it when we were at the game, so I came back and rewatched it, and what I saw was it felt like a game that Sam Houston State should have been went should have controlled that game been winning start to finish watching that game because they went immediately the strangest block kick i've punt i've ever seen in my life like yeah they say blocked the guy into him but the punter shanks it straight into the face of yeah the <laughs> defensive tackle like we're playing peewee football it ricochets out at the six and then some really bizarre play calling inside the five yard line there i mean that that was just kind of odd to me it felt like you guys should have scored and just got really cute and then it didn't work. And then you went for it on fourth, didn't work down, work out. And then you go down and James Madison's not really getting anything going on offense until they hit one big play up the scene to end up getting a field goal when they get inside. And then they have to run a trick uh, flea flicker for another big play. So it seems like for whatever reason they were the, Sam Houston had a couple mental lapses there that just got him behind the eight ball. But I completely understood when Casey Keeler after the game said, I never felt like we were going to lose because it really did feel like they were the better team out there start to finish. It was just James Madison. It's not that they got lucky, but they popped a couple big plays on a couple mental lapses and they weren't necessarily the better team in there. No, yeah. I mean, I only thought that James Madison outplayed Sam Houston for about the last seven or so minutes of that second half. Outside of that, it was all Bearcats. I mean, I thought that they should have been up, you know, 14, 17 to three at one point in that one. You know, they're driving down, have a chance to score. I think they're just got into JMU territory, a screen pass that looks like it's developing, you know, beautifully have blockers in front of the guy and just the pass goes off his hands and right into the hands of a JMU defender. And then after that, things just kind of start to snowball the rest of the half. But, yeah, it, it's one of those things where this team just plays with so much confidence and their defense has just shown an ability to, you know, they can occasionally give up a big play, you know, especially if a, the opposing team has a good downfield passing game. But if you're a team that's trying to run the ball a lot, you're just generally not going to do it against this defense. Yeah, I mean, that that looks to be the tallest order of the day because, I mean, they're, they're just nasty against the run and everything is keyed towards stopping the run so heavily when you're willing to put your corners on an island like that. Um, yeah, it, it, you can see why teams have to pass first to start to open up the run. And when James Madison did that, they did get some success after they hit a couple of plays. But you got to hit a couple big plays to get Sam Houston to open up a little. No, 100%. And that's kind of been the key to anyone that's had success. Really the only team, or I guess the team that gave Sam Houston its biggest scare all year was uh, before the playoffs, Southeastern Louisiana. They had Cole Kelly, who's, you know, out there, I think a first-team All-American. 
and he, uh, you know, he had the Bearcats sweating it. They had to get some late stops and they had to extend the drive late, you know, and they still only pulled that one out by five points. So, you know, if you're able to stretch the field on the Bearcats, that's kind of the only way that you're going to be able to attack this defense. Because if you let them, you know, if you're trying to run the ball just right out of the gates to say, we're going to do this because we're a running team and we want to establish the run, you're not going to get it done that way. You have to use the passing game to allow those lanes to open up. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting, you know, with uh, Gronowski, our freshman quarterback, um, you know, he's he's improved over the year and in his passing game. And if we've got receivers that can get open and if he can hit those guys, I mean, I think, like you said, that's really going to loosen up the defense and we've seen that against other teams too that they try to stack the box against us because they know that they have to with our offensive line and our talented running backs and they kind of say well beat us with the pass and he has and and it's worked out for us so you know I think that's going to be huge in terms of you know if if he can be efficient in that passing game and um, get some big plays downfield I think that's going to bode well for us but you know like you said if if we're having to rely on that running game and you guys can stack the box, it's going to be tough because you guys are, you know, probably the toughest defense we've, we've faced all year. Yeah. I think the key, it's going to come down to the two quarterbacks. I think Mark Gronowski has arguably, you know, been one of the top five QBs in the country this spring. And it's going to come down to him and Eric Schmidt really. Can Eric Schmidt still make those X factor plays of, you know, 35 or more yards against that defense and can Mark Gronowski move the ball consistently through the air without having to rely on the run to set that up? Well, and that's what's so scary about Eric Schmidt is at CSU doesn't have trouble necessarily with quarterbacks on designed runs, but my God, was Stone Lebanowitz just an absolute nightmare, and and even Henderson, an absolute nightmare from Delaware to to corral once they spin out of the pocket and are able to take off. I mean, and Schmidt is fast, man. He's fast, fast. So that's kind of spooky for me as an SDSU fan to see. Um, I'd imagine they, they're going to have somebody sitting a spy on him all day, all game long because you kind of have to. But at the same token, that means you're taking somebody out of pass coverage against guys like Ezard who gives me nightmares because he reminds me of some guy named Mariani from <laughs> – a game that shall not be mentioned on this podcast, but uh, that is uh, he's a he's a spooky cat, man. How do, how do you average twenty plus yards? Oh, we'll we'll go with Dallas's Dallas's question first here. He says, uh, "Has anyone kept Schmidt contained between the tackles? Because that's going to be a major key to the game. Has anybody been able to do that this year?" Not not too much. Um, I think Northwestern State was able to, but that was also a game that had a lot of injuries on the offensive line, so they were really breaking through um, and causing a lot of those issues. But it, it's been tricky because the Bearcats have a really stout offensive line. They have several guy, a couple guys transferred in from Baylor, you know, an all all American and Colby Thomas, and a couple other really talented guys. So it's a uh, it's tough because. Eric Schmidt is also just one of the shiftiest players I've ever seen at the FCS level. And he, he just does a great job of slipping out of tackles with that wall protecting the football. And really the thing that makes him so dangerous is that, you know, once he breaks out of the pocket, he's not looking to run first. He breaks the pocket, looks for space, and then he sets up and he's looking to hit Ezard or one of those other speedsters down the field. So, I mean, that's his first option. So that's really the thing that makes him so dangerous. It's not a matter of mm-hmm. he's going to get out in open field and break off a 50-yard run on you, which he can. It's that he's going to get out, set his feet again, and then find a guy that's wide open down the field. Yeah, I think I think that'll be a huge key. You know, I was gloating about our defensive line earlier and, and how they're so deep and they can keep guys so fresh. If they can um, penetrate that offensive line right away and kind of – get it so that he can get out into space. I mean, I think that's going to be huge uh, because like you said, if he gets into space, you're done. Um, you know, you saw him get loose against JMU a lot. Um, I wasn't able to watch the first half of that game. Were they able to contain him a little bit in that, in the first half? Uh, you know, the Bearcat offense really didn't get going much in the first half. I wouldn't say that they necessarily 
contained him, but they did a lot better job of creating pressure and kind of making him get the ball out early. He, he definitely wasn't breaking as many of those, but I also don't know because, uh, you know, like I mentioned, he does like to kind of set his feet, like to look, you know, to pass down the field. So in the second half, it almost seemed like he wasn't doing that as much. He, it seemed like he found a few lanes where a space opened up and he just took off. We saw it on those two long touchdown runs he had. Yeah, watching him, it, <laughs> the, the poison about him, he seems to like to have his feet set well when he throws the ball. So you want to get him off his spot. But if you get him off his spot, then you're getting him to run, and you don't want him to run. So that is a really – that is quite the uh, sticky wicket there to have to <laughs> deal with the net. Yeah, you do that and make him move without moving too much. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't like that. That's, that's a nightmare. <laughs> for defense. Um, but I, I think I saw on the depth chart now, correct me if I'm wrong, cause this is a lot of human on the left side of your offensive line. If, if what I read was right, do you actually have almost 700 pounds of person between your left and right guard or left and left guard and left tackle? Which, which two are those again? I get, I, I get my left and right next. I up. saw, was it Anderson and Pines? I don't remember the last names now. I just remember seeing one listed at 6'5", 345 yeah. pounds, and then one was 6'4", 340 pounds. And holy shit, is that a <laughs> big – like, that's a – I think the only one I can think of who was that big that I remember facing was the kid from the Gophers last year who was, mm -hmm. like, damn near 400 pounds. And he couldn't move. Um, do they lean on those guys in the run game, or are they just more of a – are they a little better at pass protecting? It's interesting. They've been really good at getting the run game going at times. Um, it, it just really depends on how the offense is flowing. There's been games where the Bearcats get the running game going and they can do that, but they're very versatile. You know, a lot of those guys are a lot more athletic than their size might, you know, show on paper. So I think mm -hmm. that's really what's allowed them to be so dangerous. You know, the Bearcats run so many unique schemes that they'll, you know, they like to move motion around. They'll do jet sweeps with their receivers, whether it's Ezard or Smith. So, I mean, they use these guys in different ways. So that's really been the fun thing to watch about them. And, you know, they've dealt with injuries, kind of shuffle guys around. But it's been fun to kind of just watch the talent at each of those offensive line spots. <laughs> Mitch thinks they're slow and more pass protectors from what he's seen. So it'll be interesting. Um and we do have, you know, our, our defensive line is more, I think, more speed guys than, than you know, like big run stoppers. They stop the run well, but they do have some good speed on our defensive line. So it'd be interesting to watch that matchup and uh, see how that goes. Yeah, no well, doubt. Especially like our NASCAR package when they throw that in there with the four defensive ends across the line. And <laughs> that's a that's a unique one that I, I can see being used uh, fairly frequently uh, in this game. And like you were talking about Josh with all the different motions and sets and, you know, the jet sweep motion, things like that, that Sam Houston state uses. I never thought I'd say this before, but boy, I wish this was the three week layoff before the national championship <laughs> game for our defensive coordinators to be able to really get a, their, their minds wrapped around a team we've never played before. Uh, when it comes to that, that is uh, that's going to be a lot to handle. Yeah, they're they're a very tough team to game plan for, and I think you know the thing that makes them so dangerous is we talk a lot about Jaquez Ezard, but if you think about it, they're only throwing him the ball, you know what, four or five times a game. So you mm -hmm. can't really make your entire game plan around stopping someone that they're only giving the ball to four or five times. You know, just they they use so many different weapons, especially in the receiving game. That it's uh, it's definitely been interesting to watch, and I think that's honestly been the thing that's allowed them to go on this undefeated run is that they have so many different weapons that you that there hasn't really been a blueprint to beating them aside from being able to have an elite quarterback that can light up a still really talented secondary. So I mean, it, it's been interesting, and it'll uh, I think it'll all end up coming down to the turnover battle, if anything. But, yeah, it's tough to just game plan for a team that has so many different weapons. Yeah, and I think we're really similar, South Dakota State and Sam Houston, that way in, in terms of being really balanced and well-rounded. 
Yeah. Um, just having receiver threats and tight end threats and good backs and, and a running quarterback. I mean, it's really hard to stop a team when they have all of those things and it's hard to game, game plan against it. You got to kind of pick your poison. Um, so definitely very similar in that manner, that manner. Yeah, absolutely. Honestly, um, just out of, cause you guys have such a nasty bevy of weapons there and everything, uh, in the playoffs, what have teams done to hold you guys so far below your offensive points average, especially a team like NDSU, their offense wasn't doing anything. So Sam Houston state had the ball a lot. And like in the James Madison game, obviously one of the touchdowns was a, a punt return as well. Um, what have teams been successful with that has given Sam Houston state or Sam Houston, sorry, maybe a couple uh, I, I did it. Damn. Um, hmm. But uh, has, have given them some hiccups. I mean, obviously, you put up 34 points, you put up 24-plus points, and you're winning the games. It doesn't matter. But what has caused them maybe to slow down a little bit? Is it just the caliber of defenses? I think that's been the biggest thing, honestly. I think, uh, I mean, Monmouth even, too, in the first round, I think Monmouth is a lot better of a team than a lot of people gave them credit for. I think in my final uh, top 25 ballot, I had them around number seven or so. Um, and I mean, they're just a really talented team. They're, they might, you know, they have athletes, you know, maybe not the same caliber that you see across the board in the Missouri Valley, but I mean, they're one of the best coach teams I've seen. You can kind of tell, you know, like whenever you just how you know, you watch a team go through their pregame routine, you can kind of see a little bit of their level of discipline there and just how they respond to things. You know, they go down 21, zero, one of the top teams in the country and, just like the Bearcats did against James Madison, it was really the same thing. They just didn't flinch and just kept coming back and slowly chipped away. So, I mean, I, I think it's just been the caliber of defense more than anything. Um, and, and then maybe if teams have been able to get backfield pressure, whether it be through blitzes or, you know, taking care of some of the miscues on the offensive line at times, that's really been the only way to disrupt them. I think the biggest thing for stopping Sam Houston's offense is keeping them out of a rhythm. Like once they start – get in place like once they string together a couple of successful plays where you're going you know 10 15 yards that's whenever the, that train can get rolling and it just doesn't stop until the game's over yeah and that uh, you mentioned blitzes i mean that's one thing that sdsu does quite a bit um and so it'll be interesting to see if that can kind of disrupt sam houston's uh, momentum and you know like i said i think one thing that if I was Sam Houston and I would do against South Dakota State is if you get on a roll, go no huddle. Don't let us sub guys because every I mean, I've seen teams get a couple of big plays and then they'll sub a guy in and then mm -hmm. we'll get to sub our fresh defensive line in and then they'll get stops mm -hmm. because they're mm -hmm. fresh. Um, mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's if I was Sam Houston, I would go no huddle and keep our keep our guys on the field and, and make them make them play the whole way down. Cause that's like, like I said, uh, one of the, the big, big advantages of our defense is the depth. Yeah. Well, and one thing, one thing too, that you have to keep an eye out for is they, Sam Houston loves to run all kinds of different schemes and you'll see them do a lot of muddle huddle type stuff. And especially, you know, with a defensive line as good as South Dakota States is, I think that's something you could see them break out a few times as they'll go to this muddle huddle set and a lot of times it's came up with big plays because teams get caught off guard. They don't know what, how really they're going to defend it. Even if they prepared for it, you know, you get that. And, you know, in a split second, you have five, 10 seconds to kind of figure out what you're going to do on the play as a defense. So they go to that a lot of times. And whether it's running these, you know, RPOs where you've got Schmid, Ramon Jefferson as rushing threats and then screen guys on the outside. And then I've other also seen situations where they'll get there and that, kind of confusion allows them one-on-one -on -one situations with guys like Ezra and they just throw it deep on the go route. So I would expect that, you know, maybe be something to keep an eye on as far as maybe breaking up, you know, some of the success that the SDSU D line will have. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. That's something we haven't seen this year for sure. So when you look at this, cause we've talked a lot about the Sam Houston offense and defense and things. Now you're looking at this, um, because there's a lot of talk about the Sam Houston defense and how SDSU will have to pass, which I don't necessarily disagree with just because of how hard Sam Houston State um, sells out on the run. Uh, but on the flip side, they, they did give up, I think it was 130, 140 yards rushing to James Madison. 
Um, they gave up 140 some yards against NDSU. Granted, NDSU is only capable of running the ball, so that's not really a fair uh, thing. Um, but and and personally, I feel that the SDSU offensive line is uh, quite a bit better than what James Madison rolls out there. I'm not, and that's not to say James Madison has a bad offensive line by any stretch. I just think the SDSU offensive line is that good. Um, do, do you see any way where SDSU is able to consistently run the ball without having to pass five or six times? Or do you think it's pretty well determined that they're going to have to hit some play action passes and things like that to open up the run game? You, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to watch. I, I think that Mark Gronowski doesn't have to go out there and have a 300-yard game for the running game to get going. I think, you know, Pierre Strong, as talented as he is and as talented as some of the other guys in that backfield are, I think they're going to get, get some yards and they're going to be able to get going. I think where teams get in trouble is whenever they get too predictable. I think that's the biggest mm-hmm. problem that you have, and I'm sure yeah. you've seen it with teams going up against oh, yeah. SDSU all year is, if they can predict that you're going to run the football like they did against North Dakota State, there's just it's a it's a situation where as good as your offensive line can be, that Sam Houston front, you know, seven or eight just plays with so much confidence and there's so much talent there that I just don't think as good as South Dakota State's offensive line is. I don't think it's going to be a situation where they're going to be able to force the run down their throats. They're still going to have mm-hmm. to have that passing element to get going. I think they can get the running game going without it being an all-out aerial attack, but they have to show that you have to respect that passing threat, especially at the middle level, kind of maybe get some of those linebackers back in coverage. Yeah, and I think that's one thing that Jason Eck, our offensive coordinator, has done this year is um, keep teams on their toes. Um, We have historically been very predictable. I mean, like you – Oh, yeah. Like – it had to be so easy for teams to play defense against us because they knew exactly what we were doing. And that's changed now um, with him at the helm and which has been a, a very nice change. Uh, but um, I do think that this could end up being a game where both Gronowski and Schmid are the leading rushers um, oh, yeah. because I think that they're both going to both defenses are so good that they're going to have to rely on the quarterback run um, which, you know, sometimes you try not to to kind of protect your quarterback a little bit. But I think like you saw in the same Houston game, they needed to rely on in that second half. We've had to go to it to kickstart our team, too. Um, so I think that's really going to be big in, in terms of uh, each team's success in this game. If, if if either one can get their quarterback going on the on the run game, um, it's just going to be they're They're both tough to tough to stop if you get the quarterbacks going. Yeah, and I don't think it's necessarily going to be a situation where it's that the teams are trying to use their quarterbacks to be the leading rusher, but I think it could be a scenario, you know, we've seen it at times with Sam Houston, I think, in the playoffs, and I think it could very well happen for SDSU is that team that they're going to focus in on stopping the running backs and kind of let the quarterbacks in the passing game beat you. And I think, you know, that's something that, that's going to happen because I think Schmidt and Gronowski – are going to both, you know, easily they'll pick up 50 or so rushing yards on the ground, which in a game like this and with two teams that like to use multiple running backs, you know, 60 yards or so might be good enough to be the leading rusher on your team. That's very true. Um, I, I had something good to say, and then it just left me. So I'm gonna <laughs> we, got another, we got another fan question here. <laughs> Chad, which is another another guy in our Jackrabbit Illustrated family, he asked, we're going to have beers together this weekend. Absolutely. I'm going to be uh, getting into town. I'll be in town late Friday. I won't be up in Frisco up until uh, probably Saturday afternoon. But the Bet the FCS crew, we're kind of linking up with a few different people, have some good friends and fans of the podcast and just different FCS groups. So we're kind of trying to coordinate a uh, – a meetup where everyone can come together and kind of just grab some drinks. I know everyone's going to be out in the area, but we're looking at a few different places out there. Um, the radio station that I do sideline reporting for, I know I'll be out at twin peaks from one to four, uh, doing a Sam Houston event though. So that's going to be very Bearcat centric. Uh, but for us, like, you know, there's a couple different spots. Haven't settled down on an exact location, but we'll tweet something out, um, over the weekend once we get that ironed out. But we'll uh, we'll definitely have some beers with you guys out there Saturday evening. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, do you think that 
I, I've been interested. I'll be interested to see how many Sam Houston fans come like for Saturday or if they'll just, you know, since you're so close, will they stay home, just come up for the game Sunday, maybe do some tailgating before the game and then just go back home? Or do you think there'll be people coming up and taking in the festivities on Saturday? I think you'll see a lot of people coming up. Um, I think another big thing to remember, too, is that Dallas, if I'm not mistaken, behind Houston is, I think, probably the number two hub as far as Sam Houston alumni go. So, okay. I mean, you, you're going to have a lot of alumni in that area. A bulk of the Sam Houston team is from the Dallas area, several of their bigger stars. So, I mean, you're going to have all kinds of people coming out, and I think they're going to kind of use it. As a lot of people are, you know, people have been cooped up in the house for a year, and you can finally get out. This this team, I mean, over the past two years, it's been disappointing, you know, the 2018 and 19 seasons as far as just kind of the fan engagement and support we've seen as far as attendance goes. But, I mean, I've been really impressed. It's had a big-time college football game feel for the past, you know, two and a half months at Bauer Stadium. So you're seeing people really get behind this team. So I think we'll definitely have a pretty big uh, Bearcat contingent up in Frisco. I don't think you might – I think you might see a little bit more uh, Jackrabbit fans out at the bars and stuff like that just because there will be a good number of Bearcat fans, you know, whether it's maybe not so much that they're not coming up for the weekend, but they might be staying, you know, with family that live out on the west side of town and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So I, I think there's going to be a good contingent in town, but I think you might see – a little bit more of a South Dakota state scene as far as strictly uh, Frisco speaking. So were you, so Sam Houston was in the championship. What was it? 11 and 12. Yeah. I I was, uh, I wasn't living in Texas at the time. I'm from here. So I was kind of aware of those runs, but I was, uh, didn't really uh, get to experience any of that. So will this be your first Frisco experience then? Yeah, so I went. Uh, I've I've kind of taken in the weekend. I uh, my brother lived in Frisco forever, so I went up there. Um, I covered the the awards banquet back in 2018. Um, Derek Roberson, now now Tennessee Titans, was one of the Buck Buchanan Award finalists. So I was up there to cover that, and then kind of got to experience the weekend, and it was a. Uh, it was a trip for sure. The, uh, the, the bison fans love to frequent the kind of the bars with the scantily clad women. So that's kind of their thing. I, I was talking to my guy, Sam Herter over at hero sports and bet MGM. I think there's a more, maybe a little bit more family friendly uh, location that we might start the evening out, out on Saturday, but it, uh, it's a scene. I've only been there when when North Dakota state's in town. And as we, we all know, they bring the party to Frisco all the time, but I think it's going to be a really fun weekend. And I'm really interested to see now that it's not just a big NDSU party. I think it's going to be fun to kind of see the Sam and uh, North Dakota or South Dakota state fans. I'm sorry, but I think it's also going to be cool just seeing. I think we'll get some more just generalized FCS fans out there in Frisco. So, so the, Ben, you bringing up that asking if he was back there in 11 and 12. They played obviously NDSU in 11 and 12. Well, with this, the way this spring and fall is going to go, it would be entirely possible that this could end up being this would probably be the favored rematch unless some major transfers happen. Not to look past this week, there we this would probably be the favorite matchup, I'd think, going in the next year after this game, right. You, you have to think so. I think the one thing that's kind of the wild card is his name slipping my mind right now, but that uh, quarterback coming in from Virginia Tech to North Dakota State, just because that's Quincy the something. one. Yeah, I think Quincy is it Quincy Patterson or something like that. Uh, but he, uh, yeah, but he, um, I think that's because that's the one thing that they're missing, right? That's kind of if they have an elite quarterback, then I think you have to consider them again. But I will say that, in my opinion, yes, this will be the uh, the favored rematch. In the opinion of everyone else there in the FCS uh, landscape, I think, as we've all seen, it, it takes a little bit of proving, and then even once you prove it, you still have to do a little bit more, as evidenced yeah. by Sam Houston having to play seven of the best teams in the country on their way to the championship game, or three of the best seven, I'm sorry. Right. You know, you guys kind of stole our – playoff revenge tour but i think uh that needs to be brought up you know i always had this dream scenario of you know we get to knock ndsu out in you know like the quarters and then you get to knock james madison out in the semis in in brookings for both of them for revenge 
challenge. And, you know, because, yeah, you guys lost to them a bunch in the playoffs, but we've had to do it more. And then, <laughs> and then get to go to the national championship game. But, no, you thieving bastards down at Sam Houston had to take that from us. No, um, that was a that that was a that was a tough road to hope that you guys had down there, especially considering Monmouth. I I honestly think maybe up there with VMI was probably one of the toughest first round matchups. No doubt it, and it's been fun to watch and kind of the uh, as everyone's seen that there's a, a a certain crowd that likes to throw out that whole asterisk converse, conversation. I heard it asked to like every single person on the zooms the day I wanted to yeah. just like put the mute on but no it's uh it's one of those things like where if you're trying to put any asterisk on sam houston's route to a national title i don't think you have any ground to stand on regardless of the spring season or not right yeah i i agree 100 percent. the asterisk talk is silly unless you're bobby Hawkins, just jealous you didn't get to play or you're <laughs> tails uh, whipped oh wait maybe that was just his decision and you know that. I'm not going to go. My, my producer, so my producer, real quick, uh, on my producer David Graff on Bet the FCS. He used to work up in radio in uh, in Montana, and his comment whenever he heard that is maybe uh, Bobby Hawk thought that the championship wasn't legitimate because the other team in Montana wasn't playing this spring since they've been more of a threat as of late. Ouch! <laughs> oh, that is beautiful. Yeah, Brad says kick asterisk. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But well, sh- sh- should we go into picking the game? I was going to say, we better pick the game. We, we like to keep these under – well, we say we like <laughs> to keep them under an hour. That's we never do, but um, we try our best. So uh, I assume with your Bet the SES podcast, you do, you're well aware of the spread. Um, have you guys already recorded this week? Uh, so we're doing a couple of episodes. We did an emergency episode. Then we have a podcast with Sam Herter that's coming out here sometime tonight. So we did about like a 40-minute conversation with him. And then we'll give our official picks later this week. But we kind of t- took an initial look at it and kind of made some picks, but nothing official yet. Okay. So so do you want to make a pick on here since you officially make picks on your podcast? Generally, you uh, make people, but you actually pick on your podcast. So I'll, you I'll, go, I'll go ahead and give one for the show. I'll, I'll give it for the All show. Right. Cool. I like yeah, it. We're getting the A game. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So for those that don't know, uh, South Dakota State is favored by four and a half, which to me is surprising. I And I'm sure you know, Josh, we've been favored by a lot in all of our, our games so far. A lot of times. Um, it, against Southern Illinois, it almost backfired. We were favored by like 15 in that one. Um, against Delaware, I guess it was justified. We were favored by nine in that one. This one's four and a half. They're coming down, but still, I feel like this should be like a, I don't know, two and a half points at most, but even maybe closer to a pick em. I guess, what are your thoughts on the spread? Yeah, I, I like uh, Sam Houston on the spread strictly because it's within a, within a field goal. I don't see this game kind of getting out of hand. I, I said that, obviously, about the Delaware game last week, so I could be proven wrong. But I, I think this is going to be a very close game. If I'm pre- trying to predict a score total, I'm probably looking somewhere around 24-28-ish. And that's still, you know, with that extra half a point, you're still winning on that. So give me the Bearcats at the four and a half points. But, you know, I, I've said this for the past couple of weeks, obviously, probably because there's less games to pick from, but I, I'm not a big fan of the board at all this week. Yeah, well, uh, hearing that you were very, very <laughs> confident about Delaware's plus points last week makes me feel really good <laughs> that you're taking Sam Houston this week. Uh, but, no, I think, I mean, that's uh, it's definitely a smart pick uh, because, like you said, you get that field goal, and the way these teams match up, it's it sets up to be a very, very close game. Um, you mentioned 24 to 28. Uh, the total is 47 and a half. So I assume you're leaning towards the over? Yeah, kind of hesitantly leaning towards the over, I guess. I think both of these defenses could make it a 17 to 20 game, but I think both of these offenses also have the firepower where you're going to have two or three plays that go for a long touchdown. You don't necessarily have to drive it down the field 10 or 12 plays. So I think as long as it stays there, if it gets any closer and once it gets to 50, I'd feel a lot less comfortable, but where it is right now, I feel pretty comfortable taking the over at 47 and a half. 
Yeah. I, I agree with you there. I think I, if, if I had to make a very confident play, I think the over would be it on this one. For sure. Um, you know, I do like the the plus four and a half points, even though I'm an SDSU fan, just from a betting perspective, I think that's a smart play because you get the field goal. Um, however, having said that, I think that my uh, score prediction is going to be uh, 31 to 24. And I'm going to, it's going to come down to the end. Sam Houston's going to have a Hail Mary and I'm going to have a heart attack in the stands um, waiting for the, the outcome. But uh, I'll take SDSU coming out on top 31-24. Well, you know how I always play this because it, it's been kind of going that, you know, it's, it's been on a roll now, so I can't, I can't not do it. And it's actually paid off for me. I think I've hit both times by take, I've hit two out of three times by taking SDSU in the playoffs here so far. And I did win the regular season picks. Um, but in this game, the, I think honestly, the thing I'm most curious about is just to start the game. If they're going to go and run Mark for, from an SDSU's offensive perspective, if that runs Mark to get him smacked a couple times, so he settles down and, because it seems he, if he gets a couple runs in and he his throwing calms down a lot, kind of gets some of the juice worked out of him a little bit, or are they going to try to take advantage of Sam Houston's um, tenacity against the run on a play-action pass right away? Um, that's kind of the chess game I'm really curious about, just the start from the jump. But looking at this game with the – Scoring capabilities of these defenses, or def- of these defenses, of these offenses, even though the defenses are really good, um, I think it's going to come down to a special teams play. Um, somebody's going to make a major gaffe of accidentally kicking to one of these punt returners and or a kick returner and making it returnable, and that's going to kill somebody. And then, realistically, I think what's going to end up happening is it's going to come down to what which team gets stopped in the red zone from scoring touchdowns. And SDSU has had, I think in the last, for sure the last three games, I'm pretty sure the last four games have come up on fourth and goal or fourth and short inside the red zone at least once, mostly multiple times per game over the last four games. And I think that that'll be enough for the Jacks to win by five in some form or fashion. I never pick point. I never pick the score because I'm not, I'm not a little stitious. I'm superstitious. That's why my beard's so long. So um, anyways, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take the Jacks. I will eat those points and I can't wait to see everybody down, down in uh, Frisco, baby. It's fun. Before we go, I, you mentioned red zone. I do think that's a key to the game. Um, both teams, red zone defense are very good. Uh, ranked in the top 20. Um, SDSU's red zone score percentage is in the top four in the nation, 96.6%. And so it'll be interesting to see if they can continue that success in the red zone. Um, And Sam Houston's down in the uh, 86%. So uh, SDSU does like to play a bend, don't break defense. Um, and so I think that'll be a huge key is, you know, with your playmakers, they make it give big plays. But if we can limit them to just getting in the red zone and not scoring a touchdown on those big plays, I think that's going to be huge. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. No doubt. I mean, for Sam Houston, that's what I guess th- uh, really almost all three of their games have come down to is the other team being inside the 30 yard line in the final couple minutes and then being able to get a stop. So right. it's going to be interesting. I think out of all the teams they've faced, obviously South Dakota state's built more to score on them inside the red zone, just because of the size and physicality finally kind of meets their match. Right. So it's uh it's going to be interesting to see the Bearcats play that bend, but don't break defense. Um, and it's going to be sort of the same situation for both squads where they haven't really seen a test like the one they're about to see on Sunday. I think that's the same for both squads. I don't don't think either squad has seen a test like Mm -hmm. this quite yet. And I know they've all been tested really well throughout the season, Um, especially, you know, Sam's last couple games here in the playoffs. You know, SDSU having to play every road game at a ranked opponent at the time. I think you and I still ended the season ranked. So literally every road game they had was at a highly ranked opponent. 
Um, and they only got to play turds at home until they actually got to the playoffs, play good teams at home. So um, I think uh, Chad is going to my, – my buddy who commented on here for a friend of our show, part of the Jackrabbit Illustrated family, is going to be losing his mind about our corners not playing up tighter on the ball because of exactly the danger of guys like Ezard being able to break one off on a slant. And if he gets off of your press coverage, he can – house it in a heartbeat so i think the defense might be set up to limit that and then force the execution inside the red zone so um i could see a lot of bending happening and we'll see how much breaking happens because sam houston is not a offense to be trifled with exactly well, uh, like you said, excited to be, see everybody down there. Um, everybody go listen to the Bet, Bet the FCS podcast. Um, if you think what Brendan and I do from a spread perspective, um, go listen to them. They probably cover it a lot better than we do. Um, they do. Yeah. <laughs> they do. <laughs> yeah. So um, definitely go check out their stuff. Uh, Josh, thank you very much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, I know you're recording other podcasts this week, so I know it's it's tough to do multiple in one week. So we really appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Happy to do it again sometime. Awesome. Well, hopefully I'll uh, catch a beer down with you in Frisco. Um, other than that, do we have anything else before we go? That's about it. Awesome. We'll see you down there. All right. Well, even though you're here, Josh, we have to end it like we always do. Go big, go blue. Go Jacks. Go Jacks. <laughs>